1: Is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Thursday episode of the Pack-a-Day Podcast. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thank you so much for making this part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I am your host. Back again, returning for week number two, Jacob and Maggie did not fire me after one week of being back, so thank you. Uh, uh, not for
2: lack of trying, but I don't make those decisions. So, oh, Well,
1: that is that is very true. I, Jacob's been trying to fire me for multiple things for many years now. <laughs> So Maggie, thank you for putting up with me. Unlike Jacob, who I think just tolerates me at this point.
3: You're welcome.
1: So, <laughs> so alright, well lots to talk about. Uh we are what three, four days away from going to Baltimore and taking on the Ravens. And lots of good news. Green Bay right now, they got what four games left? And if they win all four of those games. Regardless of what the rest of the NFL does, they will be the number one seed. So that is very exciting. Thank you, L.A. Very thankful for, uh, for your win on Monday. Um, some key people coming back um, to practice this week. Jair back in practice. He was back in practice last week, uh, but it seems like he's more involved now. David Bakhtiari. I know we all saw the uh, Twitter video of him uh, running out onto the field. I know that's very exciting uncertain if he'll play, but um, seems to be some really good news injury-wise as far as some of these bigger names coming back. Whether or not any of them will be playing this weekend, you know, we don't know, but while we're talking injuries, normally Thursday is Packers defense versus opponents offense, and probably the biggest injury this coming weekend is Lamar Jackson. He's got an ankle injury, heard it last week against the Browns, so uncertain right now right now um whether or not he's going to play but um jacob i mean how how i mean obviously he's a superstar he's a very good quarterback very mobile um but so where is the difference between fully healthy healthy lamar healthy enough to play but you know kind of a Gimpy ankle, Lamar, and obviously, I don't think we even really need to discuss if he doesn't play what it means. But so, what's what are we looking at for this defense, and what it means for the Packers defense this weekend if Lamar is first of all if he plays, and second of all, I would tend to believe he's probably not going to be a hundred percent. And given that it's an ankle injury, what does that do to his mobility?
2: Yeah, I think you touched on it there. It's it's his mobility that is going to be the most affected, and. I'm sure every fan ever that saw this game on the schedule, whether it's Michael Vick from 2002 or Colin Kaepernick for a couple games or Russell Wilson, just the PTSD that comes from facing a mobile quarterback. Now, the Packers have done a little bit better this year on that, and I say that coming off the heels of Justin Fields being able to. Congratulations, Justin Fields, once again, for for being in the Hall of Fame with only eight starts under his belt. That is just an incredible accomplishment uh, for current Hall of Famer. Justin Fields but anyway the the thing about Jackson is his ability to kind of create uh, plays that aren't necessarily and he's part of their running game like that's the other thing is Baltimore doesn't have any running backs right now like when I saw this game on the schedule the first thing I thought was Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins and J.K. Dobbins is in that same bucket as like the Bosa family who live only to torture me and J.K. Dobbins is certainly there as well he's not going to play you know they're running with Latavius Murray and Dante Foreman which you know God bless those guys. They're professional players, but they're just not not superstars. They're not even like replacement-level players at this point of their career. So with his inability to be potentially part of their running game, that's a big thing for the Packers who, for all the good things their defense has done this year, they have struggled a little bit uh, against the run and still stopping that. That's still the biggest weakness of their defense, if you will, coming into this game. So if Jackson's not able to do that and create some of those plays, it's a huge advantage because the question – about Lamar Jackson and Jackson is an MVP. MVPs are not overrated. That's not a thing. That's not even possible. In my opinion, Jackson won an MVP award over guys like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, And we all know those three guys that I just mentioned are absolute scrubs. So you understand where everything's going there, but Jackson's ability to play from the pocket, and make throws down the field with his arm. His accuracy is just a bit off on a few things, and he's still very good. The Ravens are one of the best teams in football over the last five years or you know, three years really since he's kind of taken the reins as the team's starting quarterback. But if he's not able to move and run as well as he normally is, this Packers pass rush, which is now the best in football, statistically the best in football, can tee off on him. And you saw like over the weekend one of my favorite lines – Uh, From Preston Smith was before that Seattle playoff game a couple years ago where he said he was like, you know, trying to wrangle a chicken or something like that when talking about uh, Russell Wilson. And one of my favorite scenes from Sunday's game was watching Rashawn Gary collapses the pocket and Fields escapes it. And you kind of see Gary doing like a swimmer's motion while chasing him. You guys can't see it, but I'm doing it right now. While chasing him, well, if you don't have to chase him, you can hit him and get him on the ground and potentially force a few more turnovers, which Jackson has been, I think he threw four interceptions in a quarter or something like that, not too long ago against the Cleveland Browns. So it's a massive deal. If, if he's hobbled, it's an even bigger, if he doesn't play, the Ravens have no chance of winning this game. Not even a single shred of a chance. Cause we're not talking about their defense versus green Bay's offense, but they do not match up well there at all. So Jackson has to play for this Ravens team to have a chance to win at home.
1: Well, and Maggie, I mean, talk a little bit about, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson's very important to that offense, but just even, you know, expanding on it a little bit further, this is not a great time for, for Lamar Jackson to miss a game or even not be fully healthy because this is an offense that the last three or four weeks hasn't looked good with him being healthy. I mean, what, I mean, at this point, what can he is is Lamar Jackson at this point from what we've
3: seen the last couple of weeks, it, you know, Jacob doesn't believe that it's, it's even possible that it, I mean, if he doesn't play, he's, Jacob
1: says no chance, but can Lamar actually win a game from the pocket if against this defense specifically, mm-hmm. if, if he's not able to, to move around? I mean, is that something, you know, the, the secondary has looked great. I know everybody at this point has fallen in love with Rasul Douglas and uh, that's, know very warranted but I mean you know how much of a concern and I I keep saying this like how much of a concern because we said we all said last week well how much of a concern are the Bears really and then it you know for many different reasons turned into a lot more interest in the game than it should have been but you know can he win the game from the pocket is it something that he is capable of doing at this point in the season with how they've been playing the last few weeks
3: I think it like under normal circumstances he absolutely would be capable of doing that but You know, there's they're dealing with a ton of injuries on both sides of the ball. I think, you know, the Ravens and the Packers might be the two most uh or teams that have lost the most starters this season. I know Tennessee is up there as well, but I mean he's taken thirty-eight sacks this season, so he really does rely on his legs to get out of those situations. And I think part of it is just, you know, Jacob touched on it a little bit with with Dobbins, like he's missing core pieces of his offense mark andrews is like the guy that makes that offense function lamar jackson and mark andrews have a really special relationship so that i think kind of makes up for a lot of the deficiencies that the rest of the offense has because they have a really good connection so if you're talking about like tyler huntley potentially coming in and getting a start there i know jacob says they don't have a chance of winning um but that does complicate things outside of Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. There's, there's really nowhere else for this offense to kind of funnel through. And I think most of the production that we've seen from this Ravens team so far has come on Lamar's legs. And, you know, Jacob mentioned it again with the Browns where he threw four interceptions in that game. He just has been having a rough year, I think through the year. And the the way that the Packers secondary has been playing specifically I think they're going to get, you know, some air balls and some opportunities regardless of maybe who's under center.
1: Well, you know, that's it's – it'll certainly be interesting to see, you know, whether – first of all, whether or not he plays and how well he plays. If he if he does play, I would imagine that if he does, he's not going to be, you know, 100%. But I do want to kind of, you know, go back and forth between two games here. I mean, is it fair to say that, you know – he'll probably be able to move a little bit. Should the green Bay defense, Maggie be kind of, obviously they're different players because Lamar Jackson's an MVP and Justin Fields is a rookie who has started as Jacob said, what eight games, but you know, they both kind of have similar games right now in the sense that they're both very mobile. Um, Lamar obviously knows the league a lot more. So I would imagine he can read defense a little bit better, but I mean, as far as green Bay's defensive game plan this week, is it, you know, is it fair enough to say that it's probably going to be fairly similar to what they were doing last week against Chicago?
3: Yeah. And I mean, I think kind of before the Packers bye week, we had saw them trending in the right direction as far as like containing Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, the defense played really well, kind of maintaining um, those gaps and staying gap sound and not giving those quarterbacks running lanes. And Justin Fields, I mean, yeah, he did make plays with his legs. I think he had like 75 yards on the ground. But it, the Packers still have yet to allow a 100-yard rusher this season. I think the closest person was either Jared Goff or Taylor Heineke, and they got like 95 (laughs) yards, which, yes, you can hear Jacob laughing at that. But, I mean, I think even if Lamar does have a somewhat productive day on the ground, you know, he's absolutely right about like, the, the night sweats that Packers fans would get going into games against Colin Kaepernick and guys that really could use their legs. And I think what we've seen from this defense so far under Joe Barry is a lot more sound tackling, um, a lot less running lanes. And I think, you know, that kind of gap sound ability to Vondre Campbell in the middle of the defense makes a difference. So unless Lamar has like, you know, a, a heavily taped up ankle and goes for 200 yards on the ground, I just, you know, I think that this is a very one dimensional offense.
2: Yeah, the closest that uh, Washington heard that you mentioned, he- Taylor Heineke had 95 yards rushing on 10 attempts. So that's yeah. incredible that, <laughs> that that's the and, answer. And, so.
1: and I just want to verify, So, because I don't keep track of enough stats. So that's just like, that's including running backs, right?
2: Yeah. Yes, yeah, and Goff was four for 46. And we all know, I mean, Jared Goff, if there's anything he's known for, it's his running prowess. That dude's like Michael Vick back there, but he wears a 16 <laughs> instead of a seven.
1: I mean, I, I mean, just think about that for a second, though. Two years ago, the NFC Championship game, Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight passes because that run defense was so bad.
2: They yeah, we all watch, Nick. We know we know what well, happened. Well,
1: no, but my my point is though is, I mean, you, you look at it now, and you're talking about the top rushers that Green Bay has given up, or two quarterbacks, and to two that really aren't all that mobile. I mean, you should. We, I, I guess, I'm saying, I think that I didn't know that. First of all, and that's amazing to see how far they've come, and I I, I feel it speaks volumes to what Gutekunst has done for shoring up the defense, and. I mean, Joe Barry for turning it around. So, I mean, that's that's great to know. Um, but, I mean, now that we've obviously talked this much about it, you know, it probably happen this weekend because, you know, Baltimore has no running backs and an injured quarterback. So, that would just be the luck that we would have. But um, one thing I do want to kind of touch on a, a, a little bit, too, kind of going back to last week as well and what it means for this week. So, the Packers gave up 30 points this past weekend which I feel is a lot more than what most of us were expecting that we would give up to Chicago. But when we talk specifically about the defense, obviously the special teams gave up seven points themselves. Um, and I would imagine that with how poorly special teams played, you could probably attribute at least three more points to the special teams as far as what the defense has given up. So is, is it fair when I kind of break it down like that, Maggie, is it fair to say that the defense truly like if you kind of look big picture of everything that happened last weekend that even though the scoreboard shows 30 points I mean obviously some of them are directly from special teams but that the defense didn't they actually the scoreboard shows one thing but like when big picture looks completely different is that fair to say that this defense isn't necessarily as bad as what the point toll said from last weekend.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at just statistically, the Bears were starting on the 36-yard line at average. So if you think about, you know, fair catching, a like a punt or a kick return, you're talking about the 25-yard line. So they're already netting a first down just off special teams alone. And then if you think about the Packers special teams – Um, You know, like the Malik Taylor fumble out of bounds, they would have had the ball at the 40 and they're starting at the five. So I do think that flipped field played a large role in kind of the dynamics of the first half, because one, the Packers were working with a longer field and then you're talking about short down and distance for the bears to get started. And once you get into field goal range with a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields, I think that definitely kind of changed things. And that's not to say that, you know, the defense couldn't have played any better because they did have a pick six in that first half. But I definitely think that, you know, them having really favorable starting position said a lot about, you know, kind of the, the productivity of the offense from the Bears.
2: And, Added, gee, go ahead. I would say you had in 10 of those points, seven of them come off of a 97-yard punt return, which was the first in the NFL this season, which I still can't believe actually happened, but it did. And three of them on a garbage time field goal, late in the game after you know the game's already decided so if you take and you can't do this obviously but if you take those 10 points away the Packers have given up 20 points and realistically you can point to that game and say two stupid plays where you know they run the pop pass and Grant gets around everybody and scores and then they run a slant route or Texas route against Henry Black which hopefully if Alexander comes back you're seeing less and less of over the next couple weeks that that Green Bay's defense actually only gave up 20 points which Against Chicago is is still too many, but then you factor in like Maggie mentioned the field position stuff. Like there were four separate drives that had a forty yard at a start around the forty yard line, whether it was forty yard kickoff returns or Crosby kicking the ball out of bounds. Like it was just that's where special teams can cost you because against Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, some of these teams that Green Bay is going to face in the playoffs. Tom Brady scoring a touchdown, you give him the ball at the 40. Tom Brady could score a touchdown if you give him the ball at the five. So, like, I mean, you got to make things as difficult on those groups as possible. So, that's the part where it's concerning. You got to help your defense out. The special teams is really a big part of that.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So it's safe to say that the scoreboard doesn't necessarily mean we should be worried about the defense, which is kind of what I felt after last weekend. It, you know, wasn't the game that everybody I think necessarily thought or wanted, but wins are wins are wins and I special teams is just well, they're special. So <laughs> um, Jacob, real quick, I want to get from both of you uh, two last quick things here. So I, I asked this last week for the Bears game. I'll ask it again for this week. Jacob, I'll start with you. Um, if Baltimore is going to beat this defense this weekend. How are they going to do it? What does Baltimore need to do offensively this week, given all the injuries to their running backs? You know, obviously, you know, in this, we're going to say Lamar Jackson's going to play because if he doesn't, I don't think it really matters like you pointed out. But if Baltimore is going to move the ball on this Packers defense this weekend and potentially win the game, what is it that they're going to have to be, be doing?
2: You know, very similar to the way I thought the Bears were going to have to win the game. And the phrasing I keep using is turn the game into a rock fight. Uh, and that means, to me at least, very similar to the way the Iowa Hawkeyes win football games. They run the ball. They get some turnovers. They make a few timely plays in the passing game, which Baltimore can do. They can run the ball enough, stay ahead of the chains, hit a couple deep balls here or there to Hollywood Brown or you know something down the seam to Mark Andrews or corner routes to Andrews. Uh, Sammy Watkins plays. He's a capable player down the field. We saw that in the Super Bowl a couple years ago against Richard Sherman. Uh, But that's the way I think Baltimore needs to win. And And the problem with that is if that's how you need to beat this Packers team, Green Bay just doesn't turn the ball over. Like other than Amari Rogers fumbling a punt every other week, they just they don't turn the ball over. And I'm not trying to bag on Amari Rogers. It's just the reality of the situation. Green Bay doesn't turn the ball over. Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw interceptions. Jones and Dylan, knock on wood, don't really fumble the ball. So if you're going to rely on that, I think you're really struggling to do it. But the Ravens are one of the best organizations in the entire sport from top to bottom. John Harbaugh is a very good head coach. Their special teams is the best in the NFL. Matt LaFleur mentioned that today. And Harbaugh, both of them, John and Jim, have always had good special teams units, which Green Bay does not. Decidedly, like we've mentioned, I think it's going to be one of those all hands on deck kind of things where they're trying to steal a game late. And I hate using this phrasing because it sounds disrespectful to the other team, but Green Bay kind of has to beat themselves in order for Baltimore to win a game. And that's especially true if Lamar Jackson doesn't play. Like I said, I don't think they have a chance if Jackson doesn't play, but unless they just play New Orleans Saints week one football, then I don't think Baltimore has a shot. And I don't think they have a great shot if Lamar Jackson plays just because if you're taking into consideration that the Ravens need to turn the Packers over, well, the Packers do a really good job of getting turnovers, and Lamar Jackson is prone to turning the ball over. So in order to do that, they're going to kind of have to not play the perfect game, but shorten the game, make a play on special teams, make a couple deep balls in the passing game, and pound the rock. But I just, I, I can't picture it.
1: Maggie, for you, I mean, do you, I, I assume you agree with most of what Jacob said? But I mean, if Baltimore is going to, you know, move move on this defense, you know, how are how are they? What's the game plan for? What, what's what's that going to look like?
3: I think it's honestly going to be down and distance. The Ravens are the best team in the NFL on offense, converting on fourth downs. They're at like a seventy percent success rate. They go for it on fourth down a lot. Um, Harbaugh's a very aggressive head coach, and I think that's a good way to trip up this Packers defense. As you get them in long drives, you get them gassed. And you're able to, you know, if it's second and four, third and two, you know, if the Packers are working with really short down and distances for Baltimore, that's where I think it gets tricky. Because we know that John Harbaugh is the kind of coach that will go for it if he gets to like his own 40. There's just a really good chance that he's going to try to sustain those drives. I think on the flip side of that, if for whatever reason, you know, the Packers offense looks the way that they, if they start the first quarter again and don't score any points like we've seen so often this season, That I think is where the Packers can get into a little bit of trouble if they're in, you know, first and second, or I should say second and third, like in really long situations without being able to sustain the drives themselves. Cause I think that's, that plays into Baltimore's favor, especially knowing if Lamar plays that he will have some running ability. That's just, it's hard. It's hard for the Packers defense to keep up with that when they're on the field for that long. All
1: right, well, last two things here real quick, and then we'll wrap up. Um, So, so far this year, uh, your guys' defensive MVP for this defense. I know a lot of people saying Rasul Douglas. um, I'm sure, Jacob, you're going to make a strong case for Rashawn Gary. But, I mean, at this point in time, I mean, who, Jacob, do you see as the MVP for this defense that is much improved, you know, just over the last couple of years?
2: I think the exciting part about this conversation is in previous years, it was an easy answer, right? You could say Z'Darrius Smith, Jair Alexander, and, you know, you go back to 2018 and your answer is decidedly nobody because that defense was awful. But this year there's so many potential, you know, you mentioned Russell Douglas, Drake Campbell, Adrian Amos, Eric Stokes, if you want to go that route, you could certainly do that. Kenny Clark, but yeah, come on, man. Like, the guy's one of the top guys in the league and pressuring the quarterback. He had eight pressures on Sunday night. Even if he's not sacking the quarterback, he's making an impact on a team that needed him to take that step because they've gotten 18 snaps from Zadarius Smith. And that may be the only 18 snaps they get from him this season. Can you imagine where this Packers pass rush is if Rashawn Gary is just slightly better than last year's version of Rashawn Gary, where he was good, but not great. This year he's great. And pressuring the quarterback to me is still winning in football. Can you Can you block for your passer? Can you throw the ball effectively because of that? And can you rush the opposing passer? And if you let these guys, there are so many good quarterbacks in the NFL now, especially if they're kept clean, that if you just let them sit in the pocket, they'll dot you up, pick you apart. And the Packers haven't allowed quarterbacks to do that because of guys like Rashawn Gary, And a shout out to Preston Smith as well. He leads the league in pressures over the last five weeks and they only played four games. That's crazy to me that that is the case, but he has been a monster, but Gary has been that way from the start of the season all the way till now. I think he's been their most valuable player because one of the position he plays in two, just how productive he's been at a position that's had so much turnover, like, Imagine where this team would be if Gary's elbow injury where Mike Smith famously drove home and said, break my other arm, break my wrist. I'll give it to him. Something like that versus, I mean, again, nothing against these guys, but like when the Packers put Tipa and and Jonathan Garvin on the field, those guys just don't offer much as pass rushers. And if one of Smith or Gary goes down, those guys are starting and playing significant snaps. The Packers have needed Gary to be that guy. And he's been that guy. He is even with a little bit of bias included, certainly, He's the MVP of this defense to me.
1: All right, Maggie, who's your defensive MVP through, what, 14, 15 weeks now?
3: So it's really interesting that Jacob kind of mentioned him already. But to me, it's Preston Smith, actually. And I know that sounds kind of weird. You know, we were just talking about Zadarius Smith kind of being, like, in the forefront of that. Kenny Clark, I think you could give guys like Dean Lowry a shout-out, not saying he's the MVP of the defense, but for the contributions that they've made and the way that they've elevated their play. I think it says a lot that you can put – most of the DBs in that conversation, not all of them, of course, but, you know, with Z being gone, Preston needed to have a comeback year. And we've seen that already. We, you know, he's, he's got seven sacks on the season. He had four in 2020. Um, he's, he's already eclipsed his quarterback hits. He's really like Jacob said, leading the league right now in pressures in the last couple of weeks. It just if he was playing at the way that the rate that he was playing in 2020, and Rashawn Gary, even if Rashawn Gary is having the season that he's having, I don't think that's enough from this front, and that's kind of why you could give you know Kenny Clark an edge here because the the pressure on the inside has just been phenomenal. But if Rashawn Gary kind of filled into that Z role and Preston had 2020 Preston season. I still think that there's some gaps in your defense, but the the fact that the edge rush has been as aggressive and has dominant as it has been with like Jacob said, knowing that Rashawn has an elbow injury, Preston missed the one game earlier in the season. I think that's huge. And I think not only, you know, his play on the field, but the leadership role that he's kind of taken Aaron Rodgers is high on him. I don't think any of us kind of realized how close they were um, as far as even Aaron using Preston's dog for his Halloween costume photo shoot. Um, but Preston is the guy that like rallied the troops in the locker room at halftime and said that he knows the defense can be better than they are. So I think in all of those ways where we were used to seeing the Smith bros with Z being the vocal leader and, you know, the sack leader and the splashy guy and Preston just kind of doing cleanup Preston's had to take that larger role this season. And I think that he's filled into it very nicely.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, to, to that point as well with Preston, it was, uh, Kind of uh, almost based on kind of how quiet he is, it was kind of interesting to hear, I believe it was Rasul Douglas that mentioned this past weekend at halftime, he'd come into the locker room and basically said, this is a bunch of BS and we don't lose at home like this. Um, and that's that's really nice to see that he's taking that role. And, and I think also for, I guess, for me personally as a fan, I don't know how you guys feel, but... That's kind of the feeling I had at halftime and it was nice to hear that there was at least one player in that locker room that at least vocalized probably what many fans were were feeling so um all right I I I know I can't keep saying all right I got one more thing before we get to our final segment here because I was just thinking of it it, it's just a quick question um so it's it seems like um Jair is going to be back at some point before the end of the season and so my question is this when Jair comes back, which we're all hoping is sooner rather than later, what does the cornerback room look like when he returns? Because obviously he is—he's the number one when he returns. And Eric Stokes has played super well this year for a rookie. Uh, he was drafted for a reason, but with Rasul Douglas playing as well as he is, you know, where does that? How does that? cornerback room kind of shape out between the three of them as far as I'm sure they're all going to be playing plenty of snaps but I mean when you're looking at you know who's the two versus the three Jacob where how does that shake out once Jair comes back
2: Uh, I Rasul Douglas I mean is he going to smile or not for his Hall of Fame bust at this point I mean I joke (laughs) but he's been that good since coming to Green Bay and I think that you cannot take him off the field. Uh, Eric Stokes is certainly in that conversation as well. I don't know how they're going to figure that out because Jair is the best body type and skill set for the slot, but he hasn't really done that a whole lot in his career. Uh, but what I will say is what I what I think that it'll affect more so is Shannon Sullivan, Kevin King. Do guys like that start playing the Henry Black role? where they have him on the field as that box safety, third safety, overhang defender, Will Redmond role from last year, if you will, just more capable cover guys, especially in man-to-man coverage uh, in that situation. But it's pretty simple to me. It's uh, You saw it on Sunday night, too. The Packers have decided who their preferred starters are. It's Right now it's Stokes, Sullivan, and Douglas because Kevin King played three snaps. And it was after Douglas's pick six, so I don't know if they were just giving him a breather or, like, You get a pick six, so you get a series off, kind of thing. I don't know what what the deal was with that, but King didn't play much on defense, and frankly, I don't think he needs to. So, yeah, it's it's simple to me. It's those three guys, and then figuring out, you know, do you want Chandon to to be the Henry Black guy? I think he could excel in that role. He did well as a dime back during the 2019 season in Green Bay when the Packers had Alexander King playing at a higher level and Tremont Williams during that season. So, I'm interested to see how it shakes, like you mentioned. But I I just think that. It's those three. and fig- It's a good problem to have. Matt LaFleur said that on more than one occasion. It's a really good problem to have to where you're not hoping to hide guys. They got three very capable covermen, men, uh, which you're going to need. Everything about this team needs to be viewed through the lens of can they beat Tampa Bay? We know they can beat Arizona. They've done that. We know that they can beat Los Angeles. They've done that. I feel good about them being able to beat Dallas, uh, even though they haven't played them. Tampa's the question they have yet to answer. And to beat Tampa, you need as many cover corners and pass rushers as you can get. The Packers seem to have that.
1: Maggie, where do you see Rasul Douglas fitting in uh, with that cornerback room once Jagger comes back?
3: Yeah, so I'm actually really upset at Jacob because I thought that me talking about um... – kind of the dime package was going to be like this innovative thing. And I was going to be like, you guys are going to be like, wow, look at it. But then Jacob had the exact same thought. And no, I mean, I think it'd be fun to see Jair take some, take some snaps in the slot because, you know, he does have, or even Eric Stokes, I know you don't want to throw that at him as rookie season, but guys with that kind of speed can help a lot in that middle of the defense. And we know that Henry black right now is kind of being a target that is getting picked on when the Packers are in certain nickel and dime packages. And thankfully Joe Barry tends to not play nearly as much dime as we saw from uh, Mike Patton in the previous couple of years. But yeah, I think, you know, I think all three of them are going to play a ton, but I do love the idea of Chandon Sullivan taking over the Henry black role because right now that is, you know, that's, that's where defenses are looking. We saw, multiple times in the last couple of weeks where Henry Black was the guy trying to chase down a defender that blew past him. So I think that's the thing right now that offenses are figuring out is if there's one weakness in your secondary, it's not Darnell Savage. It's not Adrian Amos. It's not Eric Stokes and Russell Douglas. Chandon Sullivan has played really, really well. Um, I think his play is continuing to ascend from what we saw in the beginning of the season. So, you know, by default then that makes the weakness of the defense where Henry Black is playing. So Jair coming back just kind of is, you know, gives you the opportunity to eliminate one of those weaknesses. And I did, I did go to bat for Henry Black earlier in the season. I thought that in the beginning of the season, he was filling into that third safety role really well. Um, The fact that they're not elevating Vernon Scott or giving him any looks there, I think is, is kind of interesting. And, you know, I don't know what that says about Vernon Scott's abilities or Henry Black's abilities or how much they like those guys moving forward. But I agree with Jacob. I think that, you know, Jerry Gray, Joe Barry, these guys know who they want their starters to be in the secondary and Jair coming back just kind of reinforces that.
1: All right well yeah well hopefully it's uh, sooner rather than later for Jair maybe this weekend um, maybe not we'll see. but uh, all right the last thing here before we wrap up, I was asked uh, last week after coming back to reintroduce this. So we did a segment Maggie Jacob and I, Oh, what at least two years ago it started. I feel like it started after Mason Crosby had his horrible day in Detroit and missed, what, (laughs) five or six kicks. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Mason Crosby is my wife's favorite player. If you ever say anything bad about him, not that you can't, but she will be mad at you. I have on multiple occasions been threatened with my life because I have said that maybe the Packers should move on from Mason. But uh, she uh, would always say that Mason needs a hug and a puppy. And so we started this segment of what is called a hug and a puppy for whoever just really How
2: needed How dare you? You forgot the name of the segment?
1: I, it was, yeah, it, I,
2: yes, it's called Green and Goldens. Thank oh, you. Green and Goldens, right.
1: That's right. I'm. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for reminding
2: Unbelievable. me. Unbelievable. I you. didn't remind you in the text message thread that we have solely because I just you so to see. You knew. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, was, I was so I've been
1: fired after two episodes. Got Hashtag
2: NickSucks2021, guys. Get it trending. Oh,
1: that's, been a, that's been a trend since 2018, I think. So just continues to roll and roll. I still on. have but,
2: stickers. Uh, good. I'm glad I have the shells. <laughs> uh,
1: so, all right. So we'll do our green and golden segment. And I feel like uh, I'm just going to put this out there. Everybody that plays special teams right now, needs one so let's let's maybe not go with that because they were all awful and they all need one so but uh jacob who is your green and goldens going to this week
2: well if you're kicking the special teams unit out i am going to go with matt nagy and i know that it's not a packer but i feel for the guy i mean he said he was having fun at halftime and then you watch aaron Rodgers do what he's done to your team there was a game in 2018 where the Bears beat the Packers to win the division, and that was pitched as a changing of the guard, and they have lost every single game to the Packers since. They gave him a Hall of Fame quarterback in the first round of this year's draft, and they're still terrible. He's going to get fired. Every week it sounds like something's going to happen to him to where he gets fired to that point. So I never want to see somebody lose their job, especially somebody that's contributed to this Packers franchise as much as as Matt Nagy has over the last four or five years or so but even more so when the arrogance and audacity of that group to forget who still owns them after one measly game at soldier field with the worst Packers team in the last seven years Um, I will give, I will be nice and extend a, a helping hand to my Illinois brethren and say, here is a hug and a puppy for your head coach, uh, who will be the head coach here for the next few weeks. And and I'm very sorry that you guys were not smarter to become Packers fans like I was when I was a child. All
3: right. And Maggie? <laughs> <laughs> Took a very oh, aggressive turn God. at the end.
2: <laughs> if you guys could have seen the look Maggie gave me, this needs to be a video show for that alone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maggie, who is your hugging a Puppy going to this week?
3: Probably myself for having to wrangle now a new duo of What were you guys jingle and jangle? That's what we decided a couple of years ago, but, but no, Uh, to me, I think, I think the hug and the puppy go to uh, Billy Turner because he's been such an iron man for the Packers. You can argue that he's getting better each and every season. And now Royce Newman, I said, I think the sole starter from that week one lineup, Jenkins has gone down. Josh Myers, Um, hopefully David Bakhtiari comes back Dennis Kelly played really well but and it sounds thankfully like Billy Turner's injury is not season-ending but just the way that he was so defeated on the sideline and the way that the injury looked at first definitely deserves a hug and a puppy for having to get out of that game
1: yeah I was going to go along similar lines there Maggie with just the entire offensive line with everything that they've gone through you know Bakhtiari not playing so far this year, Elton Jenkins with his injury, all the uh, other slews of injuries that they've had across that entire offensive line, that was where I was going to give, I was going to give out multiple hugs and puppies there for the entire unit because, I mean, we've had a lot of injuries this year, but none more so than just along that offensive line. And, you know, you just, you know, you really pray that you can get at least one or two people back before the playoffs because, man at the rate they're losing offensive linemen Jacob might have to go out and play offensive line before the end of the year and I don't know how well that's going to go so
2: um, yeah pray for the quarterback and and anybody else because if somebody comes at me with a full head of steam I'm getting out of the way
1: (laughs) all right well um, that'll wrap it up and man you know I was sitting there at like 12 minutes I'm like I don't know if we're going to fill a whole show here and then turn around and here we are 37 minutes in so real quickly we'll wrap up here Jacob Maggie Uh, where can people find you, Maggie, on uh, Twitter? I know that, like I said last week, and by this point, you know, most people probably know, but for anyone that might be new tuning in, where can they find your work?
3: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I do some writing for Cheesehead TV. And then I'm also part of the PAX with Cheesehead podcast with Perry Goldstein at PWSS Podcast on Twitter, PAX with Cheesehead on Twitch.
1: All right, and Jacob, people want to follow you, uh, find out uh, where your work's at, how can they do that?
2: Yeah. I don't know why they would, but you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jacob Westendorf. And you can find just about, I do two articles a week for Packer report at Packer report 66. And you can find me game on Wisconsin at game on WI 1000 YouTube subscribers as of today. So thank you. If you have subscribed, if you haven't subscribe now you will still have a chance to win a signed Jersey by Preston Smith, Maggie's defensive MVP. So who doesn't want something like that to add to their potential collection uh, for the holiday season? So yeah check me out there check me out uh my personal twitter handle and i'll bring you whatever it is that uh you think that i can bring you
1: all right well and you can find me on twitter once again at producer nick lb um not a whole lot going on there for me because man, twitter just uh it's a it's a place all right and uh Lots of, lots of good lots of good people on there, but uh, fun for the for the Packers Twitter. But uh, they, with that, that'll wrap up our Thursday episode here. And um, yeah, keep an eye
3: on the injury report this week for Lamar Jackson, and uh, enjoy the game on
1: Sunday, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, go Packers.